Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. There's a defense for this, and it's simply like, hey, look, this dude went along with it just because he he wanted to get caught so that he could go to prison. I mean, this has to be about him trying to get away from her by going to prison, right? <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I think this is a love story. I yes, think, no. by the way, I looked up basic health care fraud. There's lots of different kinds, of course, but I think she probably would have gotten about 24 months. And if you told my husband, Brian, we're going to go away for 24 months, he'd say, bye-bye. (laughs) (laughs) The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. All righty, then. I just want to reach out to a listener, Mark Nawey, N-A-W-Y. Send me a picture. I'd like to talk to you about this picture. Um, I'd like to find out who you are and how you came to have this and because uh, it would be very interesting to me on a personal level mark norway and n-a-w-y i don't have your email address we have his email address through the mailbag account but would you like him to send another note maybe with a phone number and yeah. some good times yeah yeah i'd like to talk to you thank you um i was away i went to uh delaware had a couple of days off because espn carried the masters and preempted the pti show uh played golf um a tradition unlike any other. You're playing golf at Rehoboth over the Masters week. Yeah, played in, in their Masters tournament. Hello, friends. Yeah, um, played really poorly. I really stink. I'm I'm a 30 now. I cannot hit the ball in the air. But how was your game on, on the, the range? Team. On the range, I was great. I'm, I'm an all-star on the range, on a mat, and you put me out there on the course, and I'm, I'm pathetic. How many water balls on average? Not that many in the water, just just hey, poorly just hit. Just a few ponds in the par five. Yeah, maybe two, maybe two around. I didn't, you know, I lost two or three, something like that. The highlight of my experience out there was was Chessie eating a rib bone. I went I went to the rustic farm market, uh, which is something I've talked about before. It's on Holland Glade Road. Um, it has great ice cream, and I buy ice cream, and they also make their own ribs. They, it is a working farm. It is a cattle farm and a vegetable farm. It's all of those things. Is this one of the farms that you drive by on your way to the beach, and they have signs, say, look for us no, in town? No, or? they don't have any advertising whatsoever, nothing, zero. You have to know somebody who knows somebody, and that's how I, my it's friend Darren Clark. It's behind the Tanger Outlets? Yes, it's behind the Tanger. It's about a mile and a quarter up the road on Holland Glade. So I went there and I got my ice cream and I got some potatoes and I bought some ribs. They were already made. You just heat them up. You heat them in the bag. And um, Alan came over and Alan got ribs as well. And by the way, two people cannot eat two racks of ribs. It's too much ribs. You know, you can't do it. Uh, well, so I disagree with that. Okay. Well, you, I couldn't. So Chessie got her her face and hands and paws on a rib bone, and so a little bit. We're a little bit worried now. We're thirty six hours in. And she hasn't shown anything terrible, any terrible reaction, um, the ones that the vet described, although she was coughing before, and I thought she'd throw up, but she did not throw up. Got to so, cough it out. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with a rib bone. I learned something, though. I always thought that solid bones were not bad and that chicken bones were bad. And I think I learned this. I think you have to be my age to know that... Um, Mama Cass choked to death on a chicken bone, right, Nigel? It was a chicken that, bone from Mama that was Cass. Always, yeah, that was always the legend. Yeah, so I always figured if anybody gets a chicken bone, it's a bad situation. But what the veterinary assistant said to me was, had she eaten a chicken bone and not a rib bone, I wouldn't be as worried because a chicken bone is hollow, and a chicken bone will pass through her system better and will not uh, deteriorate um, in a bad way actually in a good way. So I learned that at least. So now I've got my eyes on the dog, and you're probably wondering, well, why isn't he talking about the Masters? I'm actually wondering how Alan went from eating the ribs to then Chessie finding the bones on the floor. Well, not bones, not bones plural, a bone. Save the bones for Henry Jones. Because Henry don't eat no meat. Alan um, (laughs) dropped the bone. Alan is upset. Alan's upset, so I want to reach out to Alan over the air and say, so far... There's no particular distress from was, the dog. Was he shelling peanuts at the same time? No, just throwing them no, on the floor? no, he didn't throw them on the floor. <laughs> Not a no, saloon, the, Alan. No, a bone <laughs> slipped. A bone <laughs> slipped, and that's the story. You know, we'll see what happens. But so far, so far, she's okay. I took all sorts of notes on the Masters. It, it's interesting. Uh, somebody I know before the Masters said, you take one person and I'll take one person. And I said, okay, this is, this is before the fourth round. Hideki Matsuyama's up by four. 
right? The next closest person is seven, and Matsuyama is 11. He's got 18 holes to play. And so this person takes Shoffley, and I go, why would you think that Matsuyama is going to give back four? And so I said, I'll take Matsuyama. Of course I'll take Matsuyama. Here's what happened in the Masters. After the front nine, none of the contenders, the people who had to jump up and catch him, who could reasonably catch him, and John Rahm is not one of them because John Rahm was even. John Rahm was even after three rounds. So he's not going to make up 11 shots. He's not going to shoot 59. You have to, in your mind, assume that Matsuyama is going to shoot no worse than par, which means to beat him, if you're at seven, you have to shoot five under. You have to shoot 67 on Sunday at the Masters to beat him if he shoots par. And by the way, he's been under for three rounds in a row. So if he shoots 70, which is a reasonable expectation, you have to shoot 65. And Spieth and Shoffley and Rose and Connors and whoever else would have been reasonable contenders, not the kid, not Zalatoris. I'm leaving him out deliberately. They were all plus on the front. So there's no chance he's going to lose. He has to have he has to have a Greg Norman collapse to lose at that point. I understand he had four bogeys on the back. But once he played 17 the way he did and hit a good tee shot on 18, that's it. That's it because he's got a two-shot cushion. Now, Zalatoris made a great par-save putt on 18 to stay at nine. But at various points, Matsuyama's five up. And Shoffley, who's the best player chasing him with a real chance, playing the best that day, triples 16. He throws it in the water. This is after Matsuyama threw his in the water at 15, and you thought, okay, maybe something can happen here. So, I, Michael, I'll, I'll yield to you, but, I mean, you... So the, the just, num- he, he's the not going to be beaten. Yeah, the numbers are always shifting. And, There's and no the hot old, breath on it. Right, him. the old adage is the Masters doesn't start till the second nine on Sunday. And some of that's just because they weren't showing the front. It's four. Uh, but again, you have to be close enough to make, yeah. say, Eagle Eagle on 13-15 in yeah. play and be a game changer. So it, yeah. Matsuyama is able to always just look around and see what he needs. Now, the other issue that we look at is the way they modified the front nine it's now so hard to score that you're just trying to maintain. And if you get off to a one-over start through those first six or seven holes, that's actually not that bad. It just makes it that much harder to make anything up. So if you look at Matsuyama's bogey on one, the tournament really hinges on that par save on five. Yes, great. I wrote that down. Par is a great par save. Uh, for par and five, that's where things could change because you have six, which is a difficult par three, where if you spin it the wrong way, you have 45 plus feet to try and two putt and sevens become one of the sneaky hard holes on the golf course. And that's where you try and get the lead a little bit closer, a little bit closer. But no, everything with him, it comes down to when the rain delay happened. You knew it was going to happen at some point. Just based on what the he was great was. after the rain delay. He was great at the rain delay. It was the perfect spot as he's just starting the second nine. I think he's on eleven, and they start to make these calls around. You know, Japan is waking up right now as he makes that yeah. birdie putt on number. I think it was on number twelve to take the lead. But take a look at the image that I'm thinking of on on the 18th hole on Saturday. He airmails a green. It bounces 25 yards over. He can it's scramble. in the walk. It's yeah. in the walk to the score is 10. Normally, you'd be surrounded by thousands of people as you're trying to chip through this narrow chute that they've obviously opened up. There's a handful of people. He hits the most beautiful bump and run, stops at three feet from yeah. home. To me, that that decides his, his tournament. He's, I mean, you know, and, and if you want to talk about Zalatoris, because a lot of people would root for him because he's a kid and he's right out of Happy Gilmore and all of that. The narrative about Zalatoris. Mr. Gilmore, I'm your caddy. Zalatoris <laughs> on number five with a birdie putt from five feet. Didn't hit the hole. Did, didn't even hit the hole. So while Zalatoris stayed in it, he was not a serious challenger. He, he By making that wonderful putt on 18, he was the closest one to Matsuyama. But Matsuyama was never afraid of him. He was never afraid of him. So, you know, it's a... I don't, I don't, people smarter than I can talk about what it means for Japan. I was surprised that Japan had never had a winner in a major. I was surprised at that. Male winner. Yeah, male winner, because they've had, you know, if you remember the wonderful movie, and it is a wonderful movie, Lost in Translation, which is over 20 years old now, that Hard movie. Hard to believe. Bill Murray, who is a golfer himself, 
those those beautiful shots of Bill Murray hitting driver with Mount Fuji in the background. I mean, everybody who knows anything about golf understands that in Asia, in um, Korea and Japan, and increasingly in China, there are golf courses. You know, they, they, golf is very, very popular. Japanese tourists to America come over here on golf packages all the time. They are the ones with the 12 level driving ranges. Right. Golf craze. Because they don't, yeah, they don't have as much land as the United States of America has, so they they stack it up vertically to play. I mean, so that's what surprised me. So, but to your point about there not having been a Japanese male winner of a major before, you look at so. I guess I thought Jumbo Osaki had won a couple of times. Tommy Nakajima, he was the low AM in the 2011 Masters, and then you take a look at what kind of media coverage followed him. The only thing that we'd have to compare to that would be Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods, particularly. Well, but this happens to Japanese baseball players as well. Exactly, but if you look at what was missing this week at the Masters, it's that frenzy because there's only there's only a fraction of what what normally would be here. And if you actually listen to some of the comments he had over the weekend, he goes, "I don't actually like speaking." in front of you which is the assembled media and you can totally see i don't i don't know what his comfort is if he needs to speak with the interpreter for every inter- interaction i don't know what that is um, but you even saw that they asked him about were you you know were you rallied when you saw sue basa uh, kachitani win and he, he yeah. goes, i was actually playing i mean it's wonderful but i didn't see that so that yeah so what we're going to do a lot of people are going to do sociology about this and it's inescapable and it's not a bad thing. It's it's a nice thing, but I would rather concentrate on 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 the event. And he was, I know, he said afterwards, his interpreter is spectacular, just low key and wonderful. And you think he's actually saying the words that he, in he fact wore the, he wore the good shoes on Sunday, right? He's saying the words that in fact Matsuyama is saying. And by the way, Matsuyama, it's clear he understands English. And, you know, he's hesitant to speak in English, but he understood all the questions that are asked to him by Nance and, and everybody else. But, but I mean, you, you watch this and you just say to yourself, he was not, he said that he felt nervous the whole day and he didn't sleep well. Okay. But he played, he won the Masters. He actually won it because whenever anybody got close to him, he did what he had to do. And wouldn't you agree, Michael, that, that, 17 and the drive on 18 were were the clinches. You had yes. no worries after that. Even in the even in the sand, you have no worries that he's not going to get down in two. No, this is like when Tiger won a few years back. You sort of know what the number is, and you're going to protect that. And as soon as you get through the shoot on 18, you could control bogey. Right. So there you go. Now, what do so, you what do you think of uh, the caddy move? Because this is what has become viral, and you sort of take a look at the, the bowing. Yes, lovely, lovely, traditional and lovely. And I was so. I was so taken by the fact that CBS had a camera on him. I don't know that they were alerted to doing that. You get to keep the pin flag. You get to keep that. And he put the pin back in 18, took off his hat and bowed to the course. Yeah, and sort of looks, looks down towards 18. And that's going to put, as you fast forward, what the impact of this win could be 20, 25 years down the line. That, that sort of respect could carry over. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, the other people from other countries have won and been the first one to do it. And I don't know that... You might, I don't know. I don't know what it has meant. I guess Sevi, maybe, maybe it meant something. For, I don't know. Well, and then you try I'm not to decide, a historian. What, is, what does it mean in terms of producing more major champions, or what does it do in terms of helping communities and sort of bringing yeah. the game of golf into those areas, if you think of, say, even an Angel Cabrera? Yeah, that's right. But I, again, that, that's for somebody else to, to write, somebody who decides that just this morning I woke up and I'm a sociologist. Okay. <laughs> Knock yourself out. Uh, We'll take a break, and uh, we will come back. Actually, we'll talk about the Masters all day. Uh, First with Wilbon and then with Sansi. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a new read, and it is a short read. I like both of those things. Um, (laughs) This is for Nuhira, N-U-H-E-A-R-A, Nuhira. And it wants me to say, it puts in parentheses, the host here. So it's Tony Kornheiser. I've got something new to share that will make tuning into the show even better. I'm using the new Hira IQ Buds 2 Max, the next generation of hearable technology that gives you the power to control and alter your soundscape. So we have these. They're on the table somewhere. Um, you're going to set them up through my phone. Yes. Yeah, so they are not hearing aids 
They are amplifications. Amplification, but it, so it can it can work with the surrounds. It can also connect with your TV, but it also is going to be working with phone calls the same way you'd use a normal just sort of headset as an easy comparison. I'm an old man with bad hearing, and I really am eager to do this. Now, what got exciting is you can you can control and toggle back through different features by tapping the earbuds, turn it on, turn it off. Makes different ears mean different things. So you're walking around. Just the first time we plugged this in, I going, went crazy. What? What? Well, I'm banging. I can't on. hear anything. I can't hear just, anything. Yes, I don't know how to do it. I, I don't know how. Let me. I'll, let me just read the ad. You're going to be blown away with the IQ Buds 2 Max. IQ Buds 2 Max. It's no wonder they were selected at one of Time's best inventions of 2020. That's a big deal. That Time takes that seriously. Experience the world's most advanced hearing bud for yourself. Go to Nuhira. N U H E A R A. Nuhira.com to order today. That's N U H E A R A.com. New N U here, Hira, H E A R A. One more time, Nuhira.com to experience the magic of IQ Buds 2 Max. That, that's the end of the copy. I'm just going to say this. I'm anxiously awaiting Michael helping me maneuver these. You know, it's. I'm going to mess with the levels. I, I really, I want this. I do. I'm, I've got this and I want to use it. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This comes from Julian Mansfield, who says, Greetings from a loyal little. I became a fan of yours back in 1984 when I came across a piece you wrote for Sports Illustrated on the history of hang time in basketball. Brilliant and funny. I add parenthetically, thank you. I recall you coined a term for hang time in China that might now be considered not politically correct. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but I guarantee you it's not politically correct now. But that was 35 years ago. Uh, but enough shameless fawning. My son Jackson Mansfield is in a band called The Obsessives. I've attached their latest single entitled Lala. I hope you'll find it worthy of taking out for a spin in an upcoming podcast. The band began with Jackson and his friend Nick in middle school in Bethesda, home of the fabulous bagel sandwiches, sausage please, Nigel. Now they're based in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly vitriol. Their hard at work on a budding music career would greatly appreciate a boost from a podcaster who's famous or from you. That's funny. Thank you, Julian Mansfield. These are the obsessives. It's called La La. They play in Michael Wilbon. Um, before we start talking about the Masters, you told me something last night that made me laugh. I want you to tell it about the Havelina and, and Matthew. Was, that's what all shows are about now is Matthew. So let's go straight to it. Um, we're having a bite at Desert Mountain. Dave Feldman was, was oh, out sure. here. Feldman Feldy was here. And uh, so we, we went up to Desert Mountain, uh, the, the newest clubhouse called Seven. It's just spectacular. And um, we're having Cheryl and Feldy and I had dinner. And at the end of it, it was, we, we had, it was sort of a late night for us up here. Late up here, is, everything is blue here is special up here in North Scottsdale in terms of eating and times and stuff. And, you know, it was probably, I don't know, 9.30. Uh, we're getting ready. We're walking out. We're about to pay the check and walk out. And there's an enormous javelina. Just one. Just enormous javelina. Enormous. And I'm like, oh, God, the javelina. Now, I, I've, I've been out here for 15 years, off and on in Arizona. And I, I know javelina are essentially blind or close to it. They don't, they don't attack anyone unless... The provision is you get too close to one of the babies, one of the babies. These things, are they're like razorbacks. They're big, yeah. ugly, yeah. hairy pigs. And they look like, I don't know what they weigh. You can look, you can Google it and look it up. And a big one is just sort of, you know, it's not menacing, but you just, you, it's a wild animal. And so, I'm, I'm, you know, there are people out there walking in their cars, and you, you can make the shadows out. It's dark in the desert. And I'm like, you know, don't people were getting near. I'm like, hey, don't get near a javelina. These things are wild animals. So I get home, and Matthew did, had not gone to dinner with us. But I, you know, I guess Cheryl said, you know, your father was pretty, you know, testy about javelinas and wouldn't get near it. Dad, dad, seriously, it's a javelina. It's a blind pig. What are you, what are you worried about? And I'm like, you know what, you little punk. If one of these javelinas <laughs> puts his horns in your butt in your chest, I'll let you lay out on the street. And bleed because you're so such a smart ass. Dad, dad, what are you doing? You're scared of a javelina. It's a wild animal. Shut up. It is. It is. It's a wild animal and they're it and is. they're waiting. They're waiting. Yeah. And if yeah, you it's... if you get and the thing is you can't see the babies, the babies. The babies are probably, you know, what, 
250 pounds, maybe? I don't know. No, These maybe are, the big ones are like 200. They're huge. They're big. They're huge. They're big. And, they're, and they can, you see them on the golf course, and you don't really, you, you know what they are. But you see them at night at the restaurant. I mean, one of them Different. walks right up in the... Takeout. They're, no. They ordered, yeah, because of the <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. You know, All right. Like that's the why I hate seeing those things. Hate them. Let me get to the Masters. Uh and let's let's ask the the obvious first question which is in your mind was it Gonzaga Baylor? Was it no game at all or did you you know did you have to manufacture interest in it or were you interested in it? I was interested in it all weekend. I watched every I watched all of it yeah. all weekend. But I, I mean the thought, final round. Yeah. I was about to there was a point when he goes to 13 under yeah. Um, and the nearest people are at seven before Salatoris gets within, you know, a couple of strokes. There's a point where I'm putting shoes on. I'm either going to go to the range. I'm going to get out. I mean, you know, I mean, every day here is, you know, it's 80 and sunny. And I, I'm like, I'm not going to, this is not, this is not good. The tournament is not compelling. I mean, the story, there are a couple of compelling stories, obviously starting with a decade. And I'm going to go out, and I think that's when he, he just fires that shot, you know, through the green on the massive bounce into the water. And you go, I'm uh-oh. 15, yeah. Uh-oh, yeah. time to sit down. <laughs> time, to, time to sit down. This just got good. And uh, this just got dramatic. And so, obviously, at that point, I'm going nowhere. And I was just, I, I was rooting for him. I think I told you that on Saturday yes. in a text. Yes, yes. Um, I, for a lot of reasons personal and cultural and all kinds of stuff. And um, so, and I had been rooting, of course, as I said, going into this thing for Rom and Finau, who both finished in the top 10. So my, the, when you said to me on the show Wednesday, who are you rooting for? I told you I was rooting for those two guys and they, and they did what they do. They, those two guys finish in the top 10 almost every week, Rom and Finau. Rom has won a couple of times and Finau hasn't won in four years, but I'm still rooting for him. But the, the story of Hideki Matsuyama—it's—it's—it was a great story, and um, I, you know, I found myself, you know, sort of almost tearing up at the at the end of it when he tapped in. First of all, I was just afraid he was. Not, I said, you know what? Here I am rooting for this guy who I don't know, never met, and familiar somewhat with his story a little, you know, in a cursory way. Um, but at the end of it, I found myself just totally invested in him winning and what this means globally and locally for him, what it may mean for golf. Um, and so I, I totally got into it, Tony, not because of the tournament was not great. I didn't think it was a great master's tournament. I really didn't even with the drama at the end. So it got a little dramatic at the end, but I didn't think it was a great tournament, but the story, the story is, is just, uh, it's riveting. So it's interesting to me that you would, I didn't, I didn't see this. I didn't. I was blind to this thing that you had said to me in a text. I'm grateful that you did it because I was blind to it, where you said that this would be very good given the anti-Asian prejudice that we have seen explode in the United States of America very recently. You said it would be very good if he won. And I didn't, you know, that I had blinders on in terms of that because I just sort of saw him as a golfer and didn't see it that way. But you did. And I, I think you're 100% right. So. Well, I thank you, I, Tony. I that that I thought about that before I thought about golf in Japan and what it means. Look, I've been to Japan several times, uh, including right. two summers ago. And one of the things that struck me two summers ago, even more than oh eight, ninety eight, and eighty eight, I've, I've been to Japan. I was like, it's a weird thing. This this was nineteen, not eighteen, the last visit. But one of the things that struck me and would strike anybody is the number of the fanaticism over golf in Japan, the number of, you just see nets, Tony, you you go to Tokyo and you see, there's two things that that jump out at you. The number of ballparks, big ballparks, because there's like of their major leagues. There's like, I don't know. It seems like there's four or five uh, of those huge ballparks for teams, their major league teams in Tokyo alone. And I don't, I, I, I don't know if I, I probably did look it up to see how many teams there were. It's an unbelievable number of ballparks and an unbelievable number, unbelievable number of driving ranges. And you have the, you have nets or screens and they rise, they rise up many stories. 
Because, Tony, people don't get to play golf. They get to go to the driving range. I mean, you got to go outside. You don't have, like, like congressional in the middle of Tokyo. I mean, you, it's, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't yeah. work that way. People get, on, people get on the subway, which is the most fascinating subway I, I've ever been on in any city. And they have people have their bags on Saturday and Sunday, particularly. They're, they're, they're traveling. Not everybody has a car, an SUV, even though know, millions do. But, but it seems just as many don't. And you see them with their bags on the weekends when I was taking the trains in, in, in Tokyo, in central Tokyo. And, the, Tony, the, the driving ranges are, they're sometimes five and six stories high. Yeah, they're vertical. They're vertical, yeah. They're vertical, and they're decks, and they have just seems like what seems like a couple of hundred bays. And so I've I've been, and I've asked people I know in Tokyo, and I do know know, know some people, and I'm like, do you play golf? Well, kind of. What do you mean, kind of? Well, I've never actually been on a golf course, but I go to the range. And the range privileges are, it's amazing. And so the, 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 the obsession with golf there. That was, but that was the second thought I had. The first thought I had was what is going on culturally in the United States of America and probably other places too, but certainly in the U.S. And the second thought was, you know, the, the fanaticism and how this might, you know, affect the sport of golf, uh, what the PGA and what, uh, what the Masters uh, have invested in Japan in golf and trying to grow the game. They don't know that they're going to grow it much more here in the United States of America. And if they do, it's going to be people who don't look like folks that have been associated with the sport of golf for the last 400 years. They're going to more frequently look like me, or they're going to look like Hideki. And this is what, you know, has happened with the PGA um, as an organization, and it's, it's intentional. So, so I, I'd often wondered about this. I'd gone, you know, to courses, high-end public courses, for example, like Pebble Beach or Pinehurst. And I go to Pinehurst a lot. Mm -hmm. And I used to often wonder, there are so many Japanese tourists. There are so yeah. many people playing. And I wondered yeah. why. And because what I was told is there are basically no courses in Japan to accommodate the interest. So they come over here and they play and and if you do play in Japan, you're basically put on a clock. I mean, you've got to be done in a really short amount of time because there's so oh, many people wanting to play. The restaurant table, wow. So yeah, so when I they get here, that. it's luxuriating yes. in the fact yes. that you can play. And sometimes they sometimes if you get behind them, they're playing for five hours, and you'd go, whoa, maybe we could we could go a little faster. But then you understand this is an unbelievable treat to come to the United States where there are all these golf courses. Yes. And so, yes, so well, I said this earlier in the show, it surprised me, Mike, that there had been no Japanese male winner of a major. I guess I just thought there was because they love golf so much. So I no, was No, I knew there hadn't been, um, you know, the fanaticism. I don't know how many decades old it is. Maybe it's only 30 years. Okay. You know, I, I know that what you're familiar with, Tony, because I, I live part of the time out here in the West. And I see, and you, and you see golf. Yeah, they, and yes. they'll tell you. That's how I knew. That's how I learned it. They were like, play golf. Are you, are you, are you nuts? I, I play range. I play driving <laughs> that's, that's range. That's right. Because right. I go right. to the one over there that's six decks high. and looks like a hotel. Yeah. And you're like, so. whoa, we take some stuff we take for granted. Um, and like I said, I, you know, I've, I've, been to, I've been to Tokyo several times now, and, and each time, it, there's more. Each time, there's more. There's more obsession, greater obsession, more people playing, more people loving it. And so I, I can only, you know, there are two things, Tony, people in the United States, if, if you don't travel, you don't have this exposure. It's like the other thing, Tony, is I've, I've told you, I've called you to tell you about how crazy it is. It, it, 7 o'clock in the morning, so this was starting at like some crazy hour in the morning over there. The same thing happens in China with pro basketball, not playing with the NBA. And that's why, of course, that flap, you know, last year was such an enormous thing because people are up watching live by the tens of millions. Like, so a game in the United States in the playoffs may get a, you know, a four or something. And so there's what? There's six million people watching? Well, let me say it again. In China, tens of millions live 
And so there are things that, you know, that we, we take for granted. We're not, we're not really aware of, of how global, you know, yeah. these things are. And golf is one. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you. Sounds good. Thanks, Tom. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. We will take a break. Steve Sands will join us when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. MeUndies believes that comfort is about more than what's touching your skin. It's about feeling comfortable in your skin. That's why MeUndies sources the softest, most sustainable fabrics imaginable. And I think they've updated the, soft, uh, the, the fabric once again. Okay, good. Their endless styles are available in sizes extra small to 4XL. Never run out of undies or worry about skipping laundry again with the MeUndies membership. Now, this is where it gets interesting for us. Each month, replenish your basics and build your collection with styles that are anything but basic styles that let you be the truest version of yourself right down to your core. And no pressure, you can always skip a month if you want. Plus, enjoy discounted pricing, controlled shipping, and exclusively early access. Love your butt and get the membership. So, express yourself yeah. every day in limited edition prints. I sort of, I was, I stopped, I gave pause to that, but I'm going to right past thing. it. Yeah. Uh, express yourself every day in new limited edition prints. And this is... For me and Liz, we're sitting there, and when we see the package arrive on the porch, we start to wonder, is this going to be a basic print, or is this going to be something that, print. Is, something that is wild, something that is seamless? So then you always try and, you try and guess what is seasonal, so you try and think about holidays. Is it like a pizza day? Is it a, is it a pie day? And now, we got the news package, and we opened it up. Do you know what it was? No. Triangles. 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 Okay. Triangles. Hmm. MeUndies has a great offer for Tony's listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping. MeUndies also has their problem-free philosophy. If you're not satisfied with any product for any reason, they'll refund or exchange it. No caveats, no questions. To get your 15% off your first order and free shipping, go to MeUndies.com slash Tony K. That's MeUndies.com slash Tony K. Very good read. Thanks, Dad. No buts about it. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. La chiserie, it's what we purvey. La chiserie, le petit fromage du pain. La chiserie, s'il vous plaît, bonsoir, please. Our life is our passion, and our passion is cheese. Hamburg, <laughs> chef, feta. Mozzarella, Emmentaler, Cheddar, Stilton, Gouda, Baby Bell, Roquefort, Manchego, Tagliatella, Brie. It's all right here at La Chiserie. La Chiserie, it's what we have La Chiserie, le petit fromage du pain. La Chiserie, s'il vous plaît, bonsoir, please. Our life is our passion, and our passion is cheese. La cheese Dan Byrne is an entertainer. Dan Byrne gets it. Dan Byrne is brilliant. That is an homage to fromage, actually. Uh, la cheeserie. It's the Sands family takes care of. Sands is here. And before we get to him, I'm reading this from Scott Silva. Hoping this email reaches you Masters Week with a Steve Sands visit. While his three boys went three for three pulling out of the garage, I'm hoping he can feel a little better knowing what my dad and stepmom endured. My dad loves reminding us every Christmas that between the five children in our blended family, we went five for five. All five kids, two and a half years apart, got in car accidents within eight months of receiving their driver's licenses. <laughs> Between the five of us, we managed to total two cars and increase premiums exponentially. No wonder he was always yelling at us to take shorter showers, turn off the lights, and make sure every dishwasher and washing machine was full before running. A little comic relief from my family to the Sands family and all those parents out there with teenage drivers. Thanks for keeping the shows coming. I can't explain how much joy they bring. Watch out for the tan house. And he signs himself the postman in Capitola, which is a small beach town of 10,000 just south of Santa Cruz on a Monterey Bay, 45 minutes from Pebble Beach. So we have the song and we have the email. It makes you feel good, doesn't it, Steve? <laughs> it's just spectacular. <laughs> Absolutely spectacular. The depth of knowledge, the uh, intense talent that the people who listen to this show 
have is just absolutely amazing. By the way, one of the great things about having fans back at golf tournaments, having patrons back at the Masters, yeah. The amount of lachiseries that are yelling really? on a daily basis, it's just incredible. I missed it, man. I don't need the adulation. I mean, I'm just a clown in the circus. But for <laughs> your show and for what you know, you and your staff mean to the people who listen to this show, and I'm one of them who listens every day, because Valerie always says, hey, you listen to that show again? I said, yes. <laughs> um, Thanks, Vicky. It's, ama- it's amazing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's amazing how many people uh, come by or walk around or just scream or, or tap you on the shoulder. Uh, La Chiserie. It makes me laugh. makes me smile every time. Very appreciate right, let me get Let me get to the Masters. Um, in full, in all of it, looking back over the full four days, how, how was it for you? Because, again, there are fans, and it's back in April. It may not have been the most exciting last day, but the, the whole scope of it, how did you feel about it looking, looking at it? Oh, it was great. Um, it was great to be back in April. Uh, no offense to November. It's a fine month. <laughs> but in fact, Michael Sands, the owner of La Chiserie, is born in November. But it's, uh, it belongs in April. It belongs in the first full week of April. Uh, their needs, uh, fans are needed at sporting events. And there were limited numbers, but it felt just like a regular Masters, except for one thing. You could walk around more freely. You would have loved it, Tony. There were, there, was, yeah. there were so few people there that you would you were able to watch whoever you wanted to watch. You were able to go into the merchandise tent whenever you felt like it. There were no lines. Uh, the traffic was way down. There was no traffic. It was like literally driving around the Beltway at 3 a.m. versus 3 p.m. Um, it was it was kind of weird in that regard. But man, Tony. To have the Masters back in April, to have the fans back, to hear those roars, uh, to see the guys and that intensity and that kind of pressure again. It it felt as normal as anything has felt normal in the last uh, 12, 13 months. So I was locked in and watching it, you know, and and I was saying to Carol yesterday, when Shoffley and Matsuyama, when they finish with 12 and they go to 13, I said to Carol, look what's going to happen. She goes, what? I said, everybody's going to leave. And, you know, I said, because that's the last group coming through and all those people will reemerge, you know, at 15 or 18 or something like that. And they'll just walk away. I I loved watching it every second of it. I I I've got to ask this. The two most prominent people to miss the cut are the defending champion, Dustin Johnson, who you don't worry about. But Rory McIlroy, who we love, Rory McIlroy missed the cut by a lot. Uh what? 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 Yeah, yeah, that's it's a great rhetorical question. It's the big what. I, it's not the missed cut that's as worrisome as how he missed the cut. He put some swings on the golf ball, Tony, that did not look reminiscent of anything that has ever been uh, on his resume before. He does not look right. And he's trying to fix things, and he's trying to figure it out, and everybody goes through these types of slumps in quotations um all the great players have he needs to find himself he needs to go home he needs to hang out uh needs to kind of get away a little bit and figure out what his plan of attack is to swing the golf club because he had one of the great swings in the history of the sport and he was on a trajectory of, of winning a bunch of majors he won four majors in a three season span from 2011 to the middle portion of 2014 when he won the pga championship at valhalla he has not won one since that's not nearly as concerning to me as how he's swinging the golf club and what his mindset is Tony. his confidence level is way down how can your confidence level be way down when you're rory mcelroy now hopefully he sees what jordan spieth has done in the last month or two and has risen from the seemingly sports dead uh, to win an event and put himself in contention at the Masters. But right now, Rory is lost. He's lost with his golf swing, which is amazing considering how great that golf swing is and how great a player he is. So as I said, I watched a lot of it. I watched the CBS coverage. I watched live from on the Golf Channel. I was all involved in it. And I would ask you this as somebody who works in the golf business at this point. Which was more surprising, Matsuyama or Zalatoris? 
the first two guys to finish, you know, they want to finish one, two, which of those was more surprising to you? Oh, Zalatoris by far. Hideki is a world-class player. He was going to win the major championship that was played at Quail Hollow in 2017, the PGA championship did not perform well, folded under the pressure. Justin Thomas deservedly. So went on to win the Wanamaker trophy that year. So Hideki took a big time dip down. Uh, he, he crumbled under that pressure and it really hurt him for a couple of years. And now he obviously has gotten his game back. Will Zalatoris came out of nowhere. Now people who are really in depth, Michael will know who Will Zalatoris is tremendous ball striker. Uh, he went to Wake Forest, went onto the Corn Ferry Tour, and ask any Corn Ferry Tour player, ask some guys on the PGA Tour who know Will Zalatoris, and they'll tell you this kid's going to be around for the next 25 years. But when you pop up out of nowhere like that, and not only do you perform well, but you actually push the guy to the finish line, uh, that that's a strong showing. But Will Zalatoris three years ago was more than 2,000 in the official World Golf ranking. And now here he is coming into the week at 46th. I don't know where he's going to end up after last night, but with a solo second at the Masters, if his putting ever cooperates, Tony, he hits the golf ball as well as anybody. doesn't hit it as far as everybody, but he hits it as well as anybody in the world of golf, and the golfers know that. It's the putter that wobbles a little bit for him, and if it cooperates, he has good weeks like he had at the Masters. If it doesn't cooperate... Uh, then you don't see Will Zalatoris on a leaderboard. Okay, so so the fork in the road for the Masters, in hindsight, was the rainstorm on Saturday, because everything yeah. changed after that, and it changed to Hideki Matsuyama's benefit. Can you explain, you know, uh, how that happened and what it meant for the 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 rest of the Masters? I I, I ask this question of of, of golfers all the time. Uh, because most golfers are also um, sports fans, and they love team sports. You can't take a timeout. Um, you can't have a, a, a visit to the mound. Uh, you can't do that in golf. So when you have the advantage of playing okay, but you need to just figure something out, and then there's a little bit of a delay because of lightning, like they had for an hour and 18 minutes on Saturday, the golf course changed, just a little bit of rain, put, you know, took the starch out of those greens, made them a little bit more receptive. And if you remember mm -hmm. from Saturday afternoon after the delay, Tony, almost everyone in the field who was still on the golf course played was better. putting. And every, well, they did, but yes. they kept leaving putts short. And they oh, couldn't okay. figure out the green speeds. If you remember that, they kept missing putts short, which normally at that level, they, we miss putts short. They don't miss putts short for the most part. And they put them by two or three feet because they have the confidence to get the comebacker. He, Hideki Matsuyama, made everything. He had the green speeds down perfectly, birdied six of the last eight holes he played that afternoon to take yes. the lead into the final round. He played wonderful golf. And that timeout, that visit to the mound, you know, that 22nd that T.O., was right. really helpful for Hideki. He went into his car. He took out his phone. He didn't do anything like stretch or anything like that. He sat in his car and played on his phone for an hour and just kind of chilled out. And he basically took a timeout. And when he came back out, he was all ready to go. And he was the only one who could figure out those green speeds uh, with just a little bit of rain. They were that much slower. And everybody else was having trouble, and Hideki did not. He made everything. And that's the reason he put himself in position to make a Sunday run, and then he, he closed it out in style. Yeah, he, well, he, style, there's but, no but he question. It, he didn't close it out in style. He closed it out. <laughs> he closed it out. I mean, he won the tournament, okay? Absolutely. The tournament isn't just decided on the back nine on Sunday. He won the tournament. He had, you know, the lead was stretched out. Everybody other than Zalatoris, who you thought would be a real challenger, was plus on the front nine on Sunday, and they gave Matsuyama all the room he needed. This is somebody that you have watched for a while, and you were talking about what happened uh, you know, at the PGA. Where does he rank? Is this a satisfying victory? Do you say to yourself, yes, he is a major champion. We saw this for years. He's legit. Oh, no question about it. He's a world-class player. Again, he was leading the PGA Championship in 2017. Right. It was his first time in that arena. 
and he just couldn't handle it. Hideki deals with something, Tony, that literally no one else on the PGA Tour deals with. No one deals with the kind of pressure Hideki deals with. I was in Tokyo two years ago when Tiger won his 82nd victory, the Zozo Championship, and it was the first time a PGA Tour event was ever played in golf-crazed Japan. They love golf. Golfers are national heroes there. Golf is on the national news every day there with scores. It is a huge, huge deal there. The people who came out, and it was sold out every day, and the place was a madhouse. It was so cool. The energy was amazing. They were there, Tony, to see Tiger Woods for the first time, but they were there to cheer Hideki Matsuyama. He is a god over there, and with that kind of pressure, Japan, with, a, with its culture, its politeness, its pride, its I'm on the world stage as a small island country, and we can do things industrially and business-wise and socially that other countries our size cannot. They have a lot of pride there, and they put a lot of pressure on their stars. And Hideki has an entourage of media that is unfathomable to deal with on a daily basis, 10 times the people who follow Tiger Woods in that regard. It's amazing how much pressure is put on Hideki, and he politely takes it everywhere he goes, every single round, no matter how he finishes, good or bad. So the pressure was a lot for him when he was a little younger. He's now 29. He has a daughter. He's got his life in order, and his game is now back, and he was able to handle it yesterday. Forget how he finished with those bogeys racing out to 13 under par, and then seemingly limping home. He didn't limp home. What he did was he took his foot off the gas knowing just don't hit it off the map. You know, you can five your way home and get your master's win. So Hideki is a wonderful kid. And the audience doesn't know him here because he won't speak English in an interview. He can speak a little bit of English. He just won't do it because it's a pride factor for him to not have broken English uh, for the American audience. It's a shame because if the American audience got to know him a little bit, Tony, they would really like him. But he's a world-class player, absolutely deserving of being a major champion. Michael mentioned this before we went on, the lovely gesture of the caddy to take the put when he put the pin back in in 18 and to bow to the course. Yeah, it was was very, very cool. You know what's cool, Antonio? When Roy Williams kissed the court in that last game, yes, uh, yeah. We saw Kobe kiss the court. We've seen Michael Jordan at Chicago Stadium before they moved to the United Center uh, when he kissed the court. You know, players do that. Coaches do that. That's what Show was doing yesterday. Uh, that was a really cool gesture. They always take the pin flag uh, as a commemorative thing yeah. at a major championship or any victory on the PGA Tour. A caddy does uh, for his player. Then they put the flag stick back in. But to bow like that, Nice. That was really, really cool. It was, it was very, very cool to see that. Um, I thought it was, a, it was an amazing. Moment. By the way, they're they're not only a caddy and boss, but they're very close friends. And that was the first win he's ever had on the bag for Hideki. So it was a, it's an individual sport, Tony. But it was a team effort yesterday. Very, very nice. Thank you, Steve. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it as always. My pleasure, fellas. Go Nats, man. We stink. Go Cats. We're good. Stink. Right. Tanner Rainey, get out. Get out. Holy cow. Shut Holy out God. once every again. Time make a, every time they make a pitching change, I feel like Tony's going to have a heart attack. Oh, Tanner Rainey. Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd. He texted me yesterday when Rainey came in. He wasn't on the Masters. He was on that game, and he texts, and he goes, this is the end of the game right here. And it was, of course. Two-run homer. Sure, of course. I'm Making unknown heroes. I'm glad Awful. Chuck is texting you because I'm afraid to text you about the match. I'm afraid what oh. kind of response I'm going to get. <laughs> Steve Sands, boys and girls, we will take a break. We will come back with email and jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Sunday wanted me to start with any home projects that we finished over the winter, but spring is here, and you know what we've done in terms of adding storage to our basement. Spring is here, and what we have, what I like to call a showstopper yard. I want people walking by our street and stopping. We have the flocks in full bloom. Beautiful. Think of minor with the with the with the purple flowers, and you know what they notice? They notice the lawn. 
The last thing anyone needs is another complicated or toxic lawn product. And with Sunday, it's not that. It's a customized lawn plan that works with nature. They take out all the guesswork and unwanted chemicals so you can grow a beautiful lawn that's better for people, pets, and and the planet. They want me to talk about what we like most about Sunday lawn care. And I say we because we're now moving outside. It's that time of the year. The boys are out there. And Liz and I feel great that the boys can play in the yard. They have different stations and they're... I don't, yeah, they have bushes and trees that they, they have names for them. I don't want to get into that. Uh, and with Sunday, it was so easy because I, I took a lawn analysis. I took a sample of my lawn, sent it out. I felt like I was in NASA or something. And they gave me a very detailed lawn report. Again, we don't have the biggest lawn, but we want it to look the best. Uh, so for us, we just went to Sunday.com, put in our home address, and there they can give you the free lawn analysis immediately, or you can send in another sample. Sunday uses soil and your climate data to create a tailored nutrient plan, so you get all the stuff your lawn needs and nothing it doesn't. Sunday is made with ingredients that you can actually pronounce, like seaweed, iron, molasses so you can grow better and feel better about it all natural ingredients i add parenthetically all natural like cheese like you went with cheese cheese yes caramel (laughs) caramel sunday explains exactly what you get and why and everything is waiting at your door when you need it all you have to do is attach the ready-to-use pouch to to a garden hose and spray and this is where it gets really fun lawn care used to take up your whole day now it only takes less than 15 minutes best of all this stuff really works and our grass looks better than ever i can't wait to see what it does when the cicadas come out let sunday take the guesswork out of growing a greener more beautiful lawn this spring visit getsunday.com slash tony to get twenty dollars off your custom lawn plan at checkout that's twenty dollars off your custom plan at GetSunday.com slash Tony. Use the code, people. Very energetic read, Michael. Very nice. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's my That's Joe and Molly Chambers. It's lovely. They're playing and they're singing. There's a banjo in that. Nigel, what is the Bethesda Bagel ad? Uh, Bethesda Bagels, Mr. Tony. We love them. You will as well. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you, and then pop on in. You'll be thrilled. All right. Here's the song for today. I was feeling so bad. I asked my family doctor just what I had. I said, doctor, doctor, Mr. MD, doctor. Now, can you tell me what's ailing me, doctor? He said, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, indeed. All I need is good love. And those are the rascals. And at that point, they were the young rascals. Yes. And they dressed up from the, the television show, The Young Rascals. I remember them very distinctly. I can name them. I'm not going to bother. All right, let me thank our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Steve Sands. Let me thank our sponsors today, Sunday, New Hera, and Me Undies. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show on iTunes, please leave a review. Here we go. From Jeffrey Singh, uh, in a secure remote location. As I left my secure remote work location on Monday afternoon, I fired up my TK podcast, and soon you were wading deep into gas stations and dinosaurs. Or this will elicit some emails, I thought, should I join the throng? Since having had emails read on back-to-back shows years ago, I'd gone into a self-satisfied and self-imposed male retirement. Is this finally the topic that will force me out of that retirement like Tony LaRussa? So many angles. I could point out that Sinclair's Dino the Brontosaurus was a fraud, that he's really an apatosaurus. No, the hundreds of volcanologists that listen will flood the mailbag with voluminous background on that. On gas stations, my small Illinois hometown, population 1,000, had six. Yes, six gas stations when I was young. Sinclair, Amico, Shell, Texaco, Mobile, and Clark. No, I'm sure those of my generation will also wax poetic about the days of 35 cents a gallon gas and stations at every corner. Shall I join the multitude who will make some crack about Tony being alive during the age of dinosaurs? Again, too easy. And even if Tony read my email, what would I follow up with to get an email read on the next show? Too much pressure. You know what? Never mind. Don't read the email. Don't. Thanks for all the laughs. That's from Jeffrey What did you pay for gas on the way home from the beach? Uh, about three ten for you know the cash. medium grade. Was that a cash? No, discount? no. But Carol did it. Carol did it at mm-hmm. the Rofo with the, a credit card. Yeah, from Anthony Verna. 
Haven't heard from him in a while. I live in the hamlet of Verplank in the town of Cortland in the county of Westchester in the state of New York. I often visit one of two local Sinclair stations. I haven't tried hugging or kissing the dinosaur, though. As for Esso, the term comes from Standard Oil itself, Esso. However, the trademark of Esso was split among several companies in several different states, and Standard Oil itself used Enco, Energy Company, and even Humble in some states. In 1973, Standard Oil of New Jersey changed its name to Exxon Corporation for the reasons you said, needing a word that wasn't pronounced in any language, and started using Exxon instead of Esso, though not in every gas station in the United States. Between that change and mergers with other standard companies, Exxon began to completely erase Esso in the 70s. From Alex Hart in Fort Collins, Colorado, on Monday's show, I got double aldridged. First, you started the show with a riveting conversation regarding current oil and gas companies, and you questioned if Sinclair was still around with their dinosaur Dino or Dino. Indeed, they are. There are several Sinclair gas stations here in the Fort Collins area in Colorado, complete with huge green Apatosaurus. He's saying that too, an Apatosaurus, if I pronounce that correctly. And both of their refineries are located in neighboring Wyoming. Second, during Pat Forty's list of the greatest sports moments he's witnessed, you were unfamiliar with the oeuvre of Maya Dorado. Maya Dorado was a Stanford swimmer who won four medals in Rio in 2016, including both a relay and individual gold medal. I went to school with Maya, which was coached by her dad in cross country and track, and even took her to a school dance. Not only was she a stud swimmer, but she was wicked smart too, and very humble and cool to boot. The whole Dorado family is fantastic, plus Maya is friends with your girl Katie Ledecky. How great is that? From Sean Jackson in Gaithersburg, Maryland, I write to you to report a point of great parental pride as my 14-year-old son is the winner of the Tony Kornheiser Show March Madness Bracket. Zach Jackson sits atop the 5,000-plus participants in the TK Community Bracket. Through my years enjoying your show, I felt the pull to be among the little elites who find something in their lives that is excitingly mundane enough to write in and tell you about. I live my life with an undercurrent of vigilance for David Aldridge moments and serendipitous odometer numerology, but nothing ever seems to rise to the level of banal importance to be a part of one of the bookends of your show. Even the time I was fortunate enough to find Tim Kirchin walking out of my neighborhood pizza place didn't make the cut. As I drove by, I rolled down my window and I asked him, do they have avocado pizza in there, Tim? And swelled with pride as I rolled up my window and drove on thinking I might have finally have something to report to the show, only to deflate as I worked over the rough draft in my head, unable to find a worthy angle. So three weeks ago, when the young man to whom I'm related by parentage was putting together his bracket, it was that undercurrent that led me to suggest he submit it to Mr. Tony, ever hopeful for a fun story to come from his participation in the bracket. As the tournament progressed, my son's bracket rose in the rankings. By the end of the round of eight, his skillful prognostications had already helped his mother win her office pool, but I was eyeing his position in the TK bracket, hoping he would deliver me a mailbag moment before the finally sat among the leaders as the only player holding a Baylor ticket. I knew his win was sealed during the show on Monday when you and Wilbon unequivocally projected Gonzaga to be the winner. Could you have been more wrong, Grandpa? I thank you for the years of entertainment and my gratitude for creating the March Madness pool that now allows me to elevate the young man for whom I've always had so much pride to absolute legend status. Yeah, eat it, Spike Braun. So it's Zach Jackson. Well, Spike Braun was in the was in the famous people pool. I'm aware of that. Famous I think people. they might be contemporaries. From Hayden Maxwell in St. Augustine, Florida, a picture from the master's dinner. Oh, we sent it in. Sliced smoked kielbasa in puff pastry. In what world is this considered pigs in a blanket? So Lizzo would be loving it and stuffing his face at the same time. At least it has fancy mustard from Michael. Dustin Johnson is probably still staring and wondering where the pigs in a blanket that he ordered are. I think they had and a special shows, plate shows for him. Pictures. It's beautiful. It's just beautiful, but it's not pigs in a blanket. Graham Muncy in Edinburgh, Scotland. I've been there. How apt that you would, I think it's pronounced Edinburgh, actually, but it's spelled right. Edinburgh. How apt would you spend time on Wednesday's show discussing the Godfather? How apt you would spend time discussing the Godfather? Considering that last Wednesday was, in fact, Francis Ford Coppola's 82nd birthday, which I did not know. Your chat reminded me of an event that played out a few years ago at a screening of The Godfather 2 at a local independent cinema. The cinema in question also has an excellent restaurant and bar, so I am unsure if the person in question had partaken in a particularly hearty meal or a few libations prior to the screening. But whatever the cause, once the lights went down and the cinema warmed up, one patron undoubtedly had nodded off into a deep nap, his snores and grunts audible to anyone within a few rows of him. Around 10 minutes of this followed, not loud enough to bother anyway, but raising a few chuckles and snickers among those aware of his state when completely out of nowhere, he awoke with a start and bellowed at the top of his lungs. 
Fredo. <laughs> Being as we were only around a half hour in at this point, the sleepy cinema goer not need to have worried as there were still a couple of hours till his favorite betrayal was outed and the demise met. Anyway, thanks as always for the laugh and the continuation of the show, which has kept a sense of normality to my routine over the past year or so. It was a pleasure to make the pilgrimage to Chatter in 2018 and meet Tony and some of the team um, and some of the team, the copy of I'm only I'm back for more cash. I had signed that day still sits in a place of pride on my bookshelf, Graham Muncy in Edinburgh, Scotland. Couple more. Steve the Sycophant, during your paean, or paean, or paean, how is it pronounced? Paean, right? To The Godfather, including its iconic theme, you forgot to mention the trumpeter who played it, Jimmy Maxwell. He played with about every big band you can name, was an NBC studio musician, including years with The Tonight Show Band, and is heard on hundreds of movie and TV soundtracks. As with all the studio musicians, he received no residuals, just a flat payment for The Godfather sessions. But his music will be heard forever. And from Kevin Siders, PhD in Buffalo, New York, I wanted to give you a list of all the gas stations and quick fuel supplier, and their fuel suppliers, if not their own, that I pass on my daily commute. Quickfill, United Refining, Delta Sonic, unclear, but they use U.S. and Canadian sources. Sitco, Sunoco, they've been around since the 1800s as the People's Natural Gas Company. Another Sunoco. Mobile, previously discussed. Valero, you know of the new ones. Gain Clean Fuel and another Quick Fill. None of these sport a green dinosaur as their logo. However, the list is rather comprehensive. Love these emails today. If you're out on your bike tight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Okay, we wound up 5 and 11. Not very good. <laughs> Uh, but there was some worse than us. I guess that's one positive way to look at it. We weren't the worst team in the league. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. <laughs> so great.
Chisery, it's what we covey. La Chisery, le petit fromage doupé. La Chisery, s'il vous plaît, bonsoir, please. Our life is our passion, and our passion is cheese. Camembert, chef, feta, Mozzarella, Emmentaler, Cheddar, Stilton, Gouda, Baby Bell, Roquefort, Manchego, Tagliatella, Brie. It's all right here at La Chiserie. La Chiserie, hey! it's what we have La Chiserie, never petit fromage to pay. La Chiserie, s'il vous plaît, bonsoir, please. Our life is our passion, and our passion is cheese. La cheese. Hey.